0: Thanks, guys. Good morning. Man, I uh, I love Stephen Marcy and their family, and I love this church, and it's been a bit since I've been able to be here, but it's. Uh, I said it last night, it's like coming home. And uh, those are always good things when you come to a place and you just feel like you can be yourself and not a prophetic performer. Uh, and, and so uh, today, I really believe the Lord has something... Uh, for all of us. I believe the, the word that I have for you uh, is revelatory. I think it was really important when Steve had us pray, about uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so I, I believe it's really important today to open up your hearts, open up your eyes, open up your ears, uh, to hear, see, to feel, to know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures is this. David said these words, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, that there's something about being together in the presence of God that brings gladness, that brings, it brings something that is beyond what we've ever seen or known before. And I feel like that the Lord is putting a great emphasis on the local church in this season, Here's why. Jesus never said he would build my itinerant ministry. Jesus never said he would build my movement. But but he did say that he would build his church. And the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it. And when you understand that, that, that you can be a part of something that even hell itself can't prevail against. There's safety in the house, there's freedom in the house, there's healing in the house, there's there's family in the house. And there's a reason why the, the church is called or the Lord would refer to the, the temple uh, about being a house. Another favorite scripture of mine is Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. It says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. In other words, I have everything I could want. I could create whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Uh, but he asks the question, who will build me a house? Uh, who, who will actually come together and build something that I can dwell in, where I can feel home in. And that's the invitation to convergence. It's the invitation to all of our life, to be a people who God dwells in, to be a house that God dwells in. Aren't you glad for that? I, I believe a part of that, and, and so much dysfunction happening around the world and so many different definitions of family nowadays. that The church is the world's last hope. Are you hearing me? Your hope is not in the government. Your hope is not in some program. Your hope is not in a a mayor, a governor, a president, a senator, a congressman. Your hope is in the name of the Lord. Your your hope is found in the church. What I love about the local church, it's a place for family, for people who don't know family. He's a He's a father to the orphan, a husband, to the widow. He puts the solitary in family. I love what Leif Hetland says. He said, you can't cast out an orphan spirit because orphans have to be placed in families. What if in this season, Convergence Church is called to be a house that heals the orphan spirit? because people finally find home, they finally find family. Not my message this morning, but it's good, (laughs) right? I love this phrase, I love this psalm. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. I'm prophesying to you this morning that we're on the verge of seeing one of the greatest movements of mercy. I believe miracles and mercy are about to flow together through the streets of the metroplex, are about to flow together through the streets of this nation and the nations of the earth like never before. There's something that the Lord is doing in mercy and miracles that is about to bring about restoration, even the restoration of all things. So about three or four weeks ago, on a Saturday afternoon, the pastor of our church in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, Jeff Dollar called me up and he said, uh, are you going to be here tomorrow? I said, I am. He said, can you come to both services? I said, sure. He, he said, um, "He said I don't know what's going to happen. I got kind of a word and Matt Corson, one of the worship leaders, uh, shared something with me this week. I think he needs to say it and I think you're going to somehow be able to tie it all together. The funny thing is they knew what they were going to say, but I had no idea what I was going to say till I got up to say it because that's a part of being prophetic. Sometimes you don't. I mean, you prepare, you pray, you try to figure it out. But it, it, sometimes what we do is we come in and we connect the pieces and the dots. And so Jeff had this word about Jacob and Esau uh, and, and, and the way that Jacob stole the blessing, got Isaac to bless him instead of Esau. And Esau, in Genesis 27, uh, goes in to receive the blessing. And he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Esau. And he said, I can't give you the blessing because I gave the blessing to Your brother, who I thought was you. And he says, no wonder why you called him Jacob. He is a cheater. He's a deceiver. And he said, my father, my father, don't you have a blessing for me? And he said, what do you want me to do? I gave him the blessing, and the blessing stands. What a horrible, horrible feeling that must have been. It said that Isaac trembled It says that Esau screamed, he he cried out violently because his birthright had been stolen from him. And he says, can't you make it right? Can't you take it back from him and give it to me? And he said, no, the blessing stands. And he says, don't you have something reserved for me? And it's this unusual dialogue that takes place. And finally he presses And and Isaac gives him this unusual thing that doesn't sound like a blessing. He said, nothing's going to come easy for you. You're going to live as kind of an outcast and you're going to have to work hard off the the land and through a lot of sweat and toil and blood, sweat and tears. I'm I'm paraphrasing. And it's this this harsh reality that's going to become Esau's. But at the end, he says something really powerful in about verse 40. He says these words. But when you decide to go free, you will throw the yoke off of your neck. So in other words, there's all of this stuff that's going to happen to you. But there'll come a day, I don't know when it's going to be, you're going to make the decision that you're going to go free. And it hit me when he said it, because this is what I feel. Many times freedom is a decision. I knew what it was like to be addicted. I knew what it was like to be crazy. I knew what it was like to be schizophrenic and depressed and suicidal. I I, I knew what that was like. But there came a day where I recognized that I could choose to go free. I could choose what God had already promised me. I could choose no longer to be a victim or offended or hurt or, 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 or bound by all this. I could choose to go, and the yoke was thrown, broken off my neck. And I feel like some of us today are in a valley of decision where we're going to choose to go free. Where something was stolen from you. A blessing wasn't given to you. A ministry wasn't acknowledged in you. Something happened within a family or a church or a community that left a bitter taste in your mouth. And this morning the Lord is saying that if you choose to go free, that yoke will be broken off of you and he will turn the bitter into sweet just like that. Then this worship leader and the, and the pastor, one of the pastors of our, our, our ministry school named Matt Corson, he get up and he, he had just been sharing that week over coffee with, with Jeff, uh, something out of his journal. And Jeff said, will you share that with the church? And he said, it's always so fun when the, the, the pastor wants you to share your private journal in front of the whole church. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and so he had written this thing down. He was in this dialogue with the Lord and, and he was seeking the Lord for a word. And the Lord said, I can't really give you something else because you you didn't actually do and care for what i gave to you the last time and he said it wasn't harsh and it wasn't angry and it wasn't like the lord was like beating him up over the head and matt talked about how he uh, the lord was inviting him there's some baptism sunday and he was already baptized and but he felt like the lord was leading him to do it but he got busy and he thought well that's kind of weird i'm a pastor why would i get rebaptized and and, and he just kind of put it off and then it didn't happen and the lord brought him back to that and so he just repented, started talking to the Lord and about some other things and, 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 and Matt realized that he had began to lower his bar of expectation to avoid being disappointed. And the Lord spoke to him that the expectation of disappointment is not from me. And he said it was like this healing that took place of every disappointed place in his soul. Pretty powerful moment. And then the Lord gave him this word. I believe it's a word for us this morning. And the word word was this. It's time to shake the dust off of your feet from the last season and the last place that did not receive you with kindness. And so many times we're carrying the dust from our last bad experience. We're carrying the dust from COVID-19. We're carrying the dust from... Some betrayal, we're carrying the dust from some thing that took place from us. And the Lord is saying it's time to click the dust off your feet and to step into that place that receives you well. Does this make any sense to you? Some of you right now, it's the season that you're entering in, not in the coming days, but in the now. Right? I believe that even as, as, as Steve was exhorting us for a few moments about the now, I believe the Lord is bringing, just spoke to me this scripture out of Malachi. It says that the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come into this temple. It's a now word. It's a now moment. It's it's an immediate time. There's something where the Lord is removing you from the time delay. I woke up this morning and there were thunderstorms that were shaking my fourth floor room. And I'm thinking I'm in Texas. Do I hit the floor? Do I go down the stairs? Do I... You know, and, and, and thunder and lightning is happening and it's kind of cool. And, 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 and so I'm just, I'm watching it. And the Lord just showed me like this stadium that had been covered over with a tarp. And the Lord said that I'm, I, and then I saw all of a sudden the sun break through and the Lord began to roll the tarp away and he said the rain delay is over. And I feel like some of you have been in this place where, you're in the stands. You're in that place. You're in the moment, and it seemed like there was a delay. But the Lord is rem- is peeling back that which was covered over because you were in that season of delay. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? Uh, I really believe that this is an amazing time. So, two years ago, actually around this week, I, uh, I had the privilege of having excessive mouth pain, and um, I found myself in a dentist chair uh, with abscesses and uh, infection that didn't just go into my teeth, but into my gums and down into the roots. And so I was the recipient of an amazing thing called four root canals. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Because I'm a guy, and so I ignored the little pain. That became a bigger pain. And I didn't really want to go to the dentist, and I was busy, and all of a sudden my face swelled up to where it couldn't go. And so I had to go to the, to the dentist, and he said, wow, you got a bad infection, and he gave me two antibiotics. I went to a family reunion. That was really fun. After four days on the antibiotics, uh, the pain didn't go away, and, and the infection didn't stop, and so I found myself at an urgent care. I had this doctor who was uh, an immigrant from Poland, and he said, oh, you got a very bad infection. He said, my grandmother said, uh, you can, he said, you can do a couple things. And he said, there's a natural thing you could do. Or he said, what we say in the dentist world is we can use steel to heal. Where we, I would just take a scalpel and I will cut the infection out and squeeze out the pus. And he said, no, nah, I've never done it before. <laughs> and I said, you're not going to do it now. You're, you're not going to do it now. And... And so I told him, I said, my my sister-in-law is from Poland, just to try to get some credibility. I grew up in Chicago. We have more Polish people than anywhere else in the world except for Poland. Like, I like you. You like me. Please do not cut me. Like, I'm not going to be the guy you practice on. And he goes, you're a chicken. I'm a smart chicken. Uh, and, And so... Finally, the dentist called me back and he was like, no, just come in. And what's happening is that those antibiotics are working together to encapsulate that infection, to isolate it from spreading to the rest of your body and just take some time. And He called in something else and he said, come in. And so I went in on like the 3rd of July or something. And that was that guy's birthday. So he, I was afraid he was going to be in a hurry, but he did take his time. Um, and, and, and so I, I get done with the root canal uh, and, and I get driven back to the house, and I'm laying on my couch, and I, uh, it's this. my family went on vacation without me. They went to Florida, and they left me alone because I couldn't travel because I had this thing because I was a man, and I didn't get treated fast enough. Uh, and, and so I'm laying there, and I'm having this encounter with God uh, as I'm laying on my couch, and I, I see myself in this vision, in this dream. My head is in the lap of Jesus. He's, he's rubbing my beautiful hair-sprayed hair. right. And, and, and he's saying, that's it, son. I have you right where I want you. Because restoration begins with rest. And then one of my great Danes came and licked my face and woke me up. You're wondering why I told that part. Because somebody needs to cast the demon out that dog. (laughs) Interrupting, not discerning my encounter with God. Isn't it funny how how hard we have to fight for rest? Why? Because restoration begins with rest. The Lord is looking for a place to rest. Not because he's tired, but because he's present. He's looking for you and I to be a resting place. The Lord's calling convergence to be a resting place. God is not coming and going. He's not ebbing and flowing. He's not increasing and decreasing in our meetings. You know that the Father was in the room waiting for us to show up this morning. Before any light was turned on, before any sound was clicked on, before anybody showed up. I believe that he showed up with expectation not of just what he was going to do, but what he was going to receive. I I love that song that we just sang. I just want to move your heart, pour my love on you. And there's a part of that song that messes with my theology. Waste my hours and my days. I get what it's saying. But we have to understand the value of wasted perfume. What we call wasted, God calls worship. This morning, I'm going to do what I normally do, and I'll be transparent with you and make myself vulnerable. Some of what I'll say will probably make you uncomfortable. If it does, just picture me standing here in my underwear. No, don't don't do that. It will cause you to sin. Um, I only ask you to trust the Lord uh, and trust me as I give this. Sometimes the prophetic is futuristic. How many would agree with that? If you hear the word prophetic, you're thinking that somebody's going to release something about the future. I would agree with that most of the time, but sometimes it points us to a hope. It points us to a hope and a future, and sometimes the prophetic brings us back. I think sometimes you have to go back to the future. You've got to go back to discover that which what God spoke about you before the foundation of the earth. How many know all your days were written in a book? There were things before the foundation of the earth that he knew that you would walk through, he knew what you would overcome, he knew all of those things that he was saying about you. And if you'll discover that, when the enemy tries to tell you something different, you have a a true point of reference of saying, no, that's not who I am, this is who I am. I know I'm walking through this, but this is actually where the Lord's taking me. So this valley is worth the mountaintop. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes the prophetic brings us back to our first love, to the place where he found us, or even back to some unhealed places so that he could make us whole. A while back, I was in the Netherlands, and uh, I was doing these, these meetings, and uh, the kilstras were there. And so I was having dinner with the Kilstras and it was fine, it was was beautiful, it was nice, great conversation. And then uh, Chester and Betsy said, hey, why don't we go up to the office and just chat a little bit? So I thought, we're going to go have a chat. And the next thing you know, they were doing this RTF thing, this restoring the foundations thing on me. And I was in a pool of tears on the floor and I thought, I just wanted dessert Jesus showed up in some conversation we were having, and, and he, he handed me this bag, and in this bag were all of these pieces. They looked like jigsaw pieces, but I realized it was pieces of my heart. And he said, here's things that you've left along the way of your life that I'm redeeming and restoring back to you. So he took me back to when my dad died when I was six, and uh, he died a week before Christmas, and so we buried him the day before Christmas Eve. And there was a blizzard in Chicago, so I couldn't go to the uh, to to the to, to the cemetery. They left me at the church, and, and I, I left a piece of my heart in the casket. Brought me to a place where we'd lost a child and, and a little girl, and a piece of my heart that, that I left in the hospital that day. piece of my heart with all these different... And the Lord suddenly just put back this heart where he kissed it, and every fracture, every... Uh, place that of, of, of scar tissue was completely healed over. And he went back to heal some things back there prophetically so that I could stand before you today wholeheartedly. There are some things that you will only discover out of brokenness, but brokenness isn't a death sentence. It's not one of those things where I have to live this way and, 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 and never get healed up. It, it, it's actually this place where God says, oh, I like a broken vessel because it can't control what I flow through it. Some of us, God is bringing us back to unhealed places so that he can make us whole. When you choose to go free, Let me say it again. When you choose to go free, his yoke will be thrown from your neck. It's going to be a theme this morning. I wanted to preach something different, and the Lord changed it. A few years ago, I was flying, actually two years ago, I was flying to Australia. And I like flying... uh, because you just feel so close to God, 35,000 feet above everybody else. And you can hear God there because you don't have so much of the inter, you know, interruptions. And, and, and so I'm just talking to the Lord, and, and I ask this question that I ask quite often. Lord, what are you doing in the earth today? Like now. Now. What are you doing in the earth today? I think those are questions we should be asking. And this is what he said I'm restoring the innocence. I'm restoring the innocence. In this world, you don't have to go very far, you can just hit the interstate. And you'll be bombarded with images. You turn the TV on, the radio on, you launch your browser, and you will be hit with all kinds of images that put fear on you, that pervert your vision, all of those things. And, 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 And the Lord is restoring the innocence. He's restoring the innocence. So I land in Australia, we go into a meeting, and we do kind of like these TED Talk things. And so it's me and Graham Cook and, uh, and a few other people. And there's a theme. Somebody's talking about purity. Somebody's talking about uh, 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 purity of heart, different things. And so there's this theme. And I get to go last and tie it all together. So I share what the Lord speaks to me on the airplane. Uh, and it's powerful. Uh, and, and he just says, I'm restoring innocence to the generation that I had stolen from them. And then he said, when I found you, when I saved you, I didn't just find you not guilty. I found you innocent. When Jesus saved you, he did not just find you not guilty. He found you innocent. And there's a huge difference. To be found not guilty simply means there wasn't enough evidence to convict you. Doesn't necessarily mean you didn't do it. But when he finds you innocent, it actually means this. You weren't even in the country when it happened. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're responding. He didn't just find us not guilty, he found us innocent. Prior to that point, if you were to to say the word naive to me and have me describe it to you, I would say naive means kind of stupid, not very worldly, not really understanding, and not street smart at all. But here's the real meaning of naive. It means that you are so pure-hearted and innocent in your thinking that you can't even comprehend the dirty joke. You can't comprehend the perverted picture. You can't comprehend the filthy language. You can't comprehend those impure thoughts. Why? Because you're so innocent. None of that computes in you. I don't think maybe you're fully hearing me. The Lord is restoring innocence. And one of the craziest, wildest, wackiest times in human history God has a word saying I'm restoring innocence I'm restoring innocence to a generation I I don't know if you're a parent or a grandparent in this room but it gives me hope for my children and my children's children Then he said these words to me when you're covered in my presence there is no shame you know how you get shame off you You stay engulfed in his presence. You stay filled up with his presence. I find it really hard to stay angry when I'm praying in tongues. I find it really impossible to look at porn when I'm praying in tongues. I find myself, I find it to be really impossible. For me to be combative with my wife or my kids w- w- when, I'm, when I'm staying filled up, praying in tongues, entertaining, hosting the presence of God. I believe we're in a season of re- the restoration of all things and one of the greatest moves of redemption the earth has ever seen. Here's what I love about Jesus everything. Here's what I love about the scripture. Everything. Even the parts that provide tension for me. You know, the scripture's filled with tension. Gospels end with go. Book of Acts begins with wait. So should I stay or should I go now? Right? It's tension for me. Here's... Another thing that, that gives me great tension when I, when I think about it is God omniscient? Does he know everything? Does he know the end from the beginning? Did he become that or was he always that? So if God is omniscient, he would know before he spoke, let there be light, and one molecule or dust particle became the earth. He would know before he created, said, let us create man in our image, that the man he was about to create was about to mess it all up. In his infinite wisdom, in his omniscience, he knew what he was about to create would fall and fail. Now, if I were God, I would have never created what I knew would fail. Aren't you glad I'm not God? And if I did want to do some kind of divine creative experiment, the moment it did fail, I would wipe it out and nobody else would know because I'm the only one who was and is and is to come. Aren't you glad I'm not the Lord? So it would tell me that in his omniscience, he knew that Adam and Eve would fall. And he created us anyway because he knew you and I were worth it. But it also tells me this. That salvation and redemption was not God's plan B. It was always his plan A. That messes with my head. But it saturates my heart. I will even tell you that that offends my head to get to my heart. Because my head can't comprehend it, but my heart receives it. There are no accidents, no coincidence in the spirit. Here's the beautiful thing about the Lord. It's not how you start, but how you finish that counts. There are those who start well but never finish. There are those who never start because they're afraid. There's a few that start well and finish well. And then there's guys like me that start wrong, but are going to end well. And the Lord is anointing. I said it last night. I, I quoted a word from January of 2013, given over convergence, that this would be a house of finishers. So if you started a book, you'd finish it. If you started a mission, you'd finish it. If you started a project, you'd finish it. And the Lord is anointing this to be a house of finishers. And it doesn't matter how it starts or what happens in the middle. God is about to cause you to see it through because it's how you finish that counts. I like what Heidi Baker says. The only way you don't win is if you quit. And the Lord is about to resurrect the quitters of the last season. Some of you sitting next to an empty seat, you need to begin to look at that seat and begin to prophesy out of that seat. Say, seat, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. You're gonna hold the butt of a person who ran away. <laughs> you are created for this now season where God returns and restores and redeems. Because every one of these chairs has somebody name, somebody's name on it. There's a lady in our, our church in Pensacola And we thought she was the mean church lady. Y'all don't have that in Texas, certainly not at Convergence. But in Pensacola, there were a few. And we thought this lady was the mean church lady because she sat on the third row off the center aisle in the second seat for 18 years. And anytime anybody would want to sit next to her on that aisle seat, she said, you can't sit there. That's my husband's seat. And we just thought she didn't like people. So even some young people would try to sit there just to mess with her, and she would say, you can't sit there. That's my husband's seat. Her name was Sandy. And nobody knew the backstory. Sandy got radically saved, and the Lord said, I want you to go to the church, and I want you to sit uh, on, uh, I want you to, to go to church, and I want you to save a seat for your husband he's not going to come for some time but he's going to watch you how you live your life one day he's going to show up and the moment he shows up i'm going to bring salvation to your family and i'll fill the row that whole row with your family and the row behind you for 18 years she sat on the third row of the, uh, of the center aisle in the second seat nobody knew about her husband who had been abusive verbally he was alcoholic and, and all kinds of stuff gambling issues one day, 18 years after the promise was spoken, during the third song of worship, how great is our God, sing with me how great, a hungover husband came and sat in the seat. Today, that row is occupied with her children and her grandchildren in the row behind it but because God keeps his promises. And I'm just telling you that there comes a place where God sees things through to the finish line. See, I believe that this is a season and a time where the Lord is calling us. Uh, If there is a word that I believe is so relevant to every one of us in this church right now, it would be Hebrews 6 8. I'm sorry, Galatians 6 8. Do not grow weary in well doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. This is a season not to faint in the waiting. Here's another real cool story. So there was a lady in our church, her name was Lori Brown, she was married to Curtis Brown. And Lori was from Austria, and Lori um, learned this dead Germanic language that was only known by the elites, by the nobles of the Prussian Empire. For whatever reason, she decided to major in this dead language, and it was only her, one other student, and the professor in the class. The other student dropped out a few weeks in, so it was just her and the professor, and she learns this language that nobody uses anymore, I don't know why. She, uh, Curtis is in the in the U.S. Air Force, is stationed in Germany. He meets Lori. They get married. They move back to Pensacola. She's an atheist, uh, professing atheist. They move into a house in Gulf Breeze. Her neighbor is a believer. Sees them move in, and the Lord says, "I want you to invite them to church every Wednesday night and every Sunday." And for twenty years, they're going to tell you no. I don't like that much rejection. So if I were the neighbor, here's what I'd have done. I would have got on my phone, went, counted 20 years, marked it on the calendar and said, invite them 20 years from today. But every Wednesday, every Sunday, she'd invite them. They would tell her no. Sometimes they would say no with other expletives connected to the no. And all of a sudden, Lori's curiosity got the best of her. Said, I can't go with her on Sunday. She leaves at nine in the morning, doesn't get back to one. That's too long to be in any building, let alone a church. But she noticed that on Wednesday night, she would leave at 6.30 and she was back by eight. She said, I think I could do an hour and a half. So She goes on a Wednesday night. There's about 20 people in this room. And the pastor's doing everything. So he's playing the guitar to do the worship and he's about to do a Bible study. And he sings a song, of course, and he puts the guitar down. And while he's putting the guitar down, Somebody on the right-hand side of the church speaks out in a tongue. And it's fluent in this dead language that Lori Brown learned in a university. (laughs) She's pretty freaked out by it. But what freaks her out more is that another lady on the other side of the church gives the direct (laughs) translation of the word. It's how Lori Brown got saved. Lori and Curtis gave their life to the Lord and they began our benevolence ministry and thrift stores and different things that became a part of our church. So, what's on the other side of your obedience? What, what's on the other side of actually seeing things through? How, how does this fit into how you start and how you finish? What if she would have counted down to 20 years? What if she would have never asked? What if a wife would have never kept the seat open because she saw a drunk and anger instead of a, a beloved son of God who didn't encounter him yet? Have you ever been angry at the church? Not this church. Just pretend it's, not the, it's another church. <laughs> Some of you are going to be like, no, I've never, been, I've never had a church who would have never been. Uh, okay, good for you. As most of us have somewhere along the way. As a prophetic guy, as a, even a mercy guy, there's times where I've been mad at the church. The church wasn't doing anything. The church wasn't listening to the word of the Lord. The, nothing was happening. People were compromising, all kinds of stuff. And I go, Lord, what's happening to these people, your people? You ever sound like Moses? And one day the Lord said, how can you be mad at what I love? And here's what I believe is about to happen. The Lord is about to put great value and love for his church and his people upon us. Because we're about to watch the redemption. We may not be fully who we are called to be yet, but there is coming a day where we will stand before him spotless, without blemish or wrinkle, and and we will be this beautiful bride. What if Convergence Church, your, your purpose, your calling in this season is to prepare the bride? There is a word, 2013, over this house. Get ready for weddings and baby dedications. In that order. It's important in the day we live in, isn't it? Come on, the church is the world's last hope. The government can't fix society, the economy, poverty, broken families. It's the church's finest and most important moment in history. Here's another word spoken over Convergence Church. God's called you to be a fortress for families. So I'm prophesying new stuff to you, but I'm also saying here's some words that were all the way back here and God is saying now is the time. Come on, I believe this, that God has called us to be a covenant people, not contractual people. Why? Covenants based on trust, contracts based on distrust. We had a flood. We're doing a complete remodel renovation in our house. And we signed contracts. Why? You sign a contract with a contractor because if he doesn't do what he says he's going to do, you have legal recourse against him. I signed the contract. He wants me to sign the contract because when he does the work, he wants me to pay him. And if I don't pay him, he has legal recourse against me. Because I don't really believe he's going to do what he says. And he doesn't believe I'm going to pay him for doing what he says. And unfortunately, that's what's happening in the church. So we come in contractual. Pastor, I'm going to make a contract with you as long as you preach what I want you to preach and and, and you're blessing my family and you don't get in my chili too much and everything's going good. I'm going to keep coming. I'm even going to give my tithe and a little extra in the offering and I'm going to feel real good about myself doing it. But the moment you start hitting on my issues and my sin and how I talk to my wife and all of those things, I'm going to say, whoa, 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 pastor, you're kind of condemning me and you're becoming religious and legalistic and because I don't have covenant with you, I'm going to cut the contract off because I don't really trust you and I know you really don't trust me. But the kingdom is not contractual. It is covenant. He's a covenant God. That's why it's a marriage covenant, not a marriage contract. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any judge says, what any legislator says. It is a covenant from God. Are you hearing me? And a covenant is based on trust because a covenant can't be broken. Because covenant's cut. A few years ago, my wife and I went to a. A marriage conference in Tulsa. It was an EXO conference with with Dr. Jimmy Evans, right from here around this area. And he said something I thought was really funny and really revelatory. He said, If the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's time to water your own lawn. And he said it in the context of marriage, but I also put it in the context of the church. Well, that church over there is building bigger buildings. When I go in there, they got the sound just right. It's not loud like you're going to blow my eardrums. They don't have them smoke machines over there. And, and wow, this church is doing more. Maybe I should go. Maybe there's certain things that aren't happening yet because you haven't started what God's called you to do yet. That's for the church down the street, not here. So why does God bring revelation? Because restoration begins with revelation. You need to get a revelation to step into restoration. I needed to know what was missing in my life. So many times we think that I, I, I have to find out what's wrong. When God didn't focus on what's wrong, he focused on what's missing. Right now, turn on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, and everybody's going to try to tell you what's wrong with this party and what's wrong with this and what's wrong with America and what's wrong with all of that. And, and you'll never find the answer in searching out what's wrong. What's missing is righteousness. What's missing is family. What's missing is fathers. What's missing is covenant. What's missing is love. What's missing is identity. I believe we're stepping into a season of the restoration of all things. I may have told this story before, but I I, I was a prophetic prodigy, meaning I got saved and within two years' time, uh, the Lord was using me. I was getting all this revelation. I was prophesying over hundreds of people. My, my pastor was celebrating it, and I had this great gifting and anointing, but I didn't have the character to carry it. And my wife and I were dating, and we were in love, and she had a, a, a baby uh, out of high school and 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 already, and I had been married and divorced. And we both were in love with God. We both... Gave our life to the Lord around the same time in different places and got filled with the Holy Spirit around the same time in different places. And, and, and I was going to change the world and she was going to go with me and, and all of those things. But we didn't have the cure to contain what we were carrying. And, and we fell in sin and she got pregnant. And, and we hid the pregnancy for four and a half months because we took over 100. I'm honest with you. We took over a 100 pregnancy tests. And we were just in denial, like, this can't be happening because I'm supposed to be a minister, and this, uh, I'm, I'm going to fall and fail before I even start. And so how can God ever use me? I was working in the church as the janitor and the cook, but I was still going to lose my job. She was in the preschool. She was still going to lose her job. And so we are in this place of denial. How many know you can't hide a baby forever? About eight months right there. I used to be in shape, now I just am a shape. <laughs> so finally, after four and a half months, she was going to begin to show, and so I, I went to the associate pastor, who is the pastor's son, who's my spiritual dad, who I was living with. So I go to him, and I, I say, Len, this is what's happening, and he cries and weeps over me, and he prays for me and says, now you've got to go tell Dad. I said, no, that's why I told you. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to give you the end of the day. If you don't tell Dad, then I'm going to have to tell him. And and so every time I saw my pastor that day, I went to the other side of the room. I just kind of hid from him. I left 15 minutes before he did. I put all of my belongings into a black, hefty trash bag, put it by the door, and I prayed to God that I could get one more night's sleep in the house, because the only thing to do with me would be kick me out. I heard the garage door open. For the first time ever, I heard these deliberate steps come up the stairs. The first time I ever heard the footsteps of a father he knocked on the door, said, David, anything you need to tell me? I said, no, sir, can't think of anything. And he said, well, I need to talk to you. Get up, get dressed, come downstairs. So I got dressed. I put my, my, carried the bag of clothes down to the end of the landing of the stairs, and I sat in the front room, and I told him the whole truth. And he wept with me. He said, Son, I'm, I'm disappointed, but it didn't change the call of God or the destiny of God on your life. And if you go through a process called restoration, I promise you on the other side of it, You'll be stronger than ever before. And he said, do you love Molly? I said, absolutely. He said, you're engaged already. We might as well just move up the date." And, and as we wept, he said, here's what you need to know, son. If you don't hear anything else I ever have to say, hear this. Failure's never final when the father's in the room. Corey Asbury wrote the song about the father's house based off that story. So check your shame at the door with me putting my black bag at the door. Failure's never final when the father's in the room. I have a pastor friend whose son was, was getting off into some marijuana use and shoplifting and he got caught stealing a cell phone at school. And some wife called him and said, man, this kid is, is, is going off the rails and, and you need to come and you need to deal with him. And he's ready to give him what for and punish him harshly. And as he pulls in the driveway, the Lord said, You've got to choose. Are you going to be a judge or a dad? Because today, your son doesn't need a judge. He needs a father. And that dad loved his son back to life. Completely got set free of drugs. Completely set free of all that stuff. And now they're working in ministry together. I think we have to be careful of how we judge people. You can't judge people before you see the end of the story. I love this book because there's only one perfect person in the book. His name's Jesus. The rest of the characters are adulterers, murderers, thieves, liars. Persecutors. And God redeems them to tell a greater story. If you would have judged Paul on the first half of his life, you'd miss out on two thirds of the New Testament. Look at Peter. Upon this rock I'll build the church. A few chapters later, 10 chapters later. You're gonna deny me. No, 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 Lord. Denies him. and Jesus restored him and said, you know what? That was a little bump in the road, that little roadblock right there. But I meant what I said over here. When well, aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? 2 Samuel 12, 15. Then Nathan departed to his house. So here's Nathan. David falls in sin with Bathsheba. Remember the story? He should have been out at war. Instead he stays home. And his eyes wander and he sees Bathsheba and he, he gets caught up in lust and adultery and, she gets pregnant and to cover the sin, he kills her husband, Uriah. And he thinks he kind of got away with it. And then a prophet shows up. Then Nathan departed to his house and the Lord struck the child. And so Nathan shows up and, 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 and says, hey, you're the man, remember that? And he says, you know, the, the, the son you're gonna have isn't gonna live. And he has the son and then then. Nathan departs from the house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it became ill and then David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground so the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground but he would not nor did he eat food with them then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm to himself or to us. And when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead, and therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, Yes, he is dead. So David arose from the ground. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested that they set food before him and he ate, then his servant said to him, What is this you've done, David? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and you ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will have, whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him He will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. And went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son. And he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. And he sent word by the hand of of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah. Because of the Lord. It's an interesting story. It's a story that you can really read real quick. You can miss a whole lot of stuff. I was married in 1995. I was crazy, schizophrenic, alcoholic. And my first wife divorced me. I ran into her sometime later. She told me that when she divorced me or when she left me, She was pregnant and had an abortion because she didn't want anything to remind her of me. I carried a lot of guilt and a lot of shame over something I had no control over. It's tough to talk about, isn't it? Some of us want to squirm in our seats, some of us want to go, why is this guy preaching here? y'all got a story. We all got a story. And some of it isn't pretty. My life before Jesus wasn't pretty. Some of my life, even after Jesus, wasn't pretty. Because he wasn't finished with me yet. And you can live in shame and regret the Lord invited me. He invited me into this in 2019 when so much healing was taking place with me and my wife in so many circumstances and situations. He said, I want to, I want to invite you into a life without regret. I could go, Lord, I, I've lived almost half of my life already. And there's a lot of things I could regret. He said, "No. how would you like to live a life without regret? I thought that was a pretty good deal, so I took him up on it. There's some things to learn from this story. Number one, failure's not final. And number two, when you go through this process and it seems like everything's over, it's time when you decide to go free. You can cast that yoke off your neck. But here's what David did. I love it. The Bible said he got up. He got up off the floor. He didn't say down. He said, hey, I can't change it anymore. And he got up. Some of you right now, the restoration of all things begins when you get back up. When you get up from the failed business or the failed marriage or the failed this or the failed... And you choose to get up Again. Don't make me go prophetic into I get knocked down, I get up again. It will be a prophetic song you will not forget, although you will try. But David got up again. Some of you right now, here's your word. It's time to rise up. Rise up out of yesterday. I saw it so clear today. I saw eagles flying out. A fire over this region and I feel like the Lord said it's getting ready I'm causing the the rise of the phoenix I'm, I'm causing there to be a rise of the eagles to come out of the fire it's time to get up he got up he washed himself he washed himself off of all of the sin washed off all the dust all of the dishonor all of the shame he washed it off some of you right now you got up but it's time to wash it off Wash off the stench of failure. Wash off the stench of yesterday. Wash it off. And the Bible says he got dressed. He washed himself off. And he put on his rightful garments. He didn't put on the garments of grief and the garments of failure. He went back and put on his royal robes again. The Bible says then he anointed himself. He changed his fragrance. Is it a fragrance? Now pour my oil. Some of you right now, the fragrance is changing, the fragrance of this new season is changing. The old is gone. The new has come. There was a moment last night, another moment this morning, where I could smell the perfume of heaven permeating the atmosphere of this room. There is a fragrance that God's about to release. It's the fragrance of the overcomer. It's the fragrance of no regrets. It's it's the favor. It's It's the fragrance of his goodness and his grace. And he went back into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. He stepped back into his purpose and his calling. Then he went to his own house. Don't think that people who love you will always understand what you're doing because they don't know the cost of your alabaster box. They don't know the cost of your brokenness and what you got through. And he sat at the table and he ate and said, why are you doing this? The beauty of the story is this. That Bathsheba in this chapter is, is no longer called a mistress or a harlot or an adulteress. She's called Bathsheba, his wife, which means he didn't just use her. He chose her. And honor is being restored to her. Just think about it right now. Can you, can you understand that Isaiah 55 and 3 and Acts 13 talks about this, the sure mercies of David. I think David knew more about mercy, knew more of the, miracles of the, of the, the mercies of the miracles of God than anyone else. And he names his name Solomon, which means peace, unbroken and whole. The Lord is about to redeem time. He's about to restore everything and bring you into a season that is peace and unbroken and whole. The prophet shows up and gives him another name from the Lord, Jedediah, which means beloved of Jehovah. Talk about redemption. Just because you don't start right doesn't mean you won't finish strong. Some believe Solomon wrote this about his mother, Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous wife, for her, wa- her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not of evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hand. She is the merchant of... She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it from her prophet. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arm. She perceives that her merchandise is good. She has a new revelation of herself. I'm no longer spent goods. I'm no longer what they talked about. My merchandise is good. That'll preach. Maybe at a woman's conference, I'll do that. (laughs) And her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. She she, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of the household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen. Goes on to say... uh, uh, It goes on to talk about, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her all of the honor of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Talk about redemption. Acts 13 and 22 says, he raised up for them David as king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. A man after my own heart who will do all my will. beautiful part of that is God had the first word and he'll have the last word because he is the word. And because he had the first word and the last word, it really doesn't matter what the enemy is saying in between. Here's where I'll end. July 17, 2018, we moved to from Pensacola, Florida to Franklin, Tennessee. It was a bit of an adjustment. By January 2019, I, I decided I liked it enough to make it official, and so I went to change my license. So I went to the DMV. I brought my proof of residency. All the, I brought my Florida driver's license, my birth certificate, all the things that I needed. I made the appointment. I stood in line. I stood in line, I got up to the counter, I handed them all my stuff. She typed some things in, and she has this look of distress on her face. She gets a supervisor, he looks distressed, and they go get the state trooper. And they say, we can't give you a license because there's a warrant for your arrest in Wisconsin. Before Jesus, 1996, a drunken disorderly. So I said, you gotta lock me up, put the jewelry on me. They said, no, they won't extradite you from here, but you need to take care of it. So I got right on my iPhone and and I paid the fine and the warrant disappears. Can I have my license now, please? They said, no, we can't give you your license because you've been revoked in Wisconsin for 20 years. And I said, but I've had a valid Florida license for 20 years. And so how it works is I give you this license, you give me new license, I go home. They said no. I said, what's it for? They, they said, we can't tell you you have to call them. So I, I call up there and, and and I find out that I did the time, I did the ten days in jail for two DUIs. All before Jesus, by the way. I'm not proud of it. I did the time in jail. I did the work release. I paid the fines. But I didn't go through a drug and alcohol assessment. And because of that, it kept me revoked. Evidently, Florida didn't talk to Wisconsin, but Tennessee talks to everybody. And so I find out I have to do this assessment. I said, do I have to come up there? And they said, no, we just have to approve of the person down there. So I find a guy. I do the assessment. I tell him the story, how God saved me. I've been clean and sober for... 20 plus years and he starts crying at the story but it didn't feel too bad because he still takes my 350 bucks we go through a couple hours of this assessment and he's like I'd like to just send this off and get them to just release it but they won't and even if they did Tennessee won't uh, until you go through DUI school So I said, sign me up, and they signed me up over Valentine's weekend 2019. Fly my daughter to Holland because she was doing an internship at a publishing company. I return home on Saturday of Valentine's Day weekend. Take a shower. My two sons bring me to DUI school. They won't even let me sit in the front seat because they both have licenses. I didn't. oldest son, he's kind and pastoral. And he said, Dad, I'm so proud of you. You could have just kept driving. Nobody had ever known. But I'm proud of you because you got integrity. And you're going through this process. Now his brother isn't so pastoral or kind. He's more prophetic. he goes, my dad's a convict. And I bet somebody from our new church gonna drive by when you're going into DUI school. Sure enough, I'm walking in and beep, beep, associate pastor drives by. I walk in, the guy remembers me, starts crying again, doesn't feel too bad, takes another 300 bucks for the DUI school. I walk in, and a guy named Jimmy's teaching the class. He's got long ponytail, jail tats. I said, Jimmy, my name's David. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for teaching this class, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. He said, yeah. He said, "Well, I've been sober 18 years, and I said, I got 22. He goes, you do? So I told him what happened. He goes, yeah, boy, always catches up to you. Always catches up to you. Somehow I just couldn't believe it. Jimmy had dad jokes, bad jokes, and jail jokes galore. He's like, I was an alcoholic and an addict for most of my life. Then I realized I was allergic to alcohol. Every time I drank it, I broke out in handcuffs. <laughs> and it's gonna be a long weekend. Always catches up to you, boy. Always does. But I couldn't buy it. Because there's a simple scripture Psalm 23, verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so my past isn't following me my past convictions isn't following me my my fines aren't following me what i didn't do what i did do didn't follow me because every time i turn over there comes goodness here comes mercy goodness and mercy followed me into dui school that day and I, i sat down i sat next to this kid named cameron and i look at him and the lord starts speaking to me i say hey cameron i'm david this may sound really weird to you because the lord's talking to me the lord says things that i didn't think the lord could say the lord says tell him he's not a screw up i said lord i can't say that that doesn't sound very polite he said no tell him he's not a screw up so i said son cameron i want you to know something i heard the lord said tell you that you're not a screw up and the dude started weeping when he composed himself he pulled out his phone and showed me text messages he said the the day my mom told my dad that she was pregnant with me he said this kid's gonna screw up my life He said I'm 24 years old my dad's never called me Cameron never called me by my name just every day calls me screw up but worse showed me his text message every text message from his dad began without that, that phrase and in a moment I spent the weekend in smoking circles and coffee pot hanging around the coffee pot Getting words of knowledge for twenty-six people, leading people to the Lord. I graduated. <laughs> Got my license. And I wrote the counselor back and I said, Thanks for doing this, Tony. And I said, This probably doesn't make sense to you, but I'd like to come back. Like, I can't I travel a lot, I can't come to every school, but. When I'm home, I'd like to come back sometimes. I told him what had happened. I said, I'd like to be the pastor at DUI School. So I've gone back a few times. Made me pay once, but not the rest of the time. And he said, I wonder what would happen if every minister, if every pastor would just come through and love on these guys. this message today I shared things I didn't necessarily want to share but if you're in this room there's hope whether it's something you've done something your kids are in something that's happening all around you the Lord is about to release goodness and mercy all around you here's the beautiful thing my oldest son just got married 21 years old was a virgin the day he got married is a man of god doesn't know addiction doesn't know perversion doesn't know all this stuff why what i fought in the spirit he didn't have to fight in the flesh what i overcame in the wilderness couldn't follow him into the promised land it's my legacy well you may say that's a wild crazy testimony dave and it's true it's really true but there's glory on your story There's glory on your story. Here's where I I really do close. I have a friend, his name is Joey. I was working when I first moved to Pensacola doing landscaping. He was the foreman, and we were talking, and he asked me my story. I told him, and he said, I don't have a story like that. My, My testimony is this: I've known Jesus my whole life. And he was almost apologetic about the story he told. And I thought to myself, man, that's the best testimony I've ever heard greatest testimony I ever heard, Joey, was the one you just shared with me. You've known Jesus your whole life. And the reason that's the best testimony for me is that's the testimony I want for my kids. I'm watching it unfold before my eyes. It's a now word, Steve. It's a now word. I'm living in it. I'm watching it. it. I'm watching it unfold. Why is this word so important? Because we need spiritual eyes to see the people God's about to bring to us. Because they may not know how to act in church right. They, 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 may not, uh, they may not talk right, look right, smell right yet. But if you'll help them get up. If you'll help them wash off. If you'll put a new fragrance on them. If you begin to put those garments of royalty and priesthood upon them. I'm telling you right now, this church will be unstoppable. It's what the world needs. It's what the world's looking for. It's the message of redemption you're in this room this morning as we close you feel like you miss it you feel like somehow you've been stopped in your tracks maybe it's a, a failure maybe it's just whatever you just feel like you're down and defeated I've got a word for you get up get up rise up get up out of the ground get off the ashes get out of the dirt get up out of yesterday begin to shake it off don't make me go Taylor Swift. Shake it off, shake it off. Some of you are like who's Taylor Swift? It's time to get up. Time to wash it off. Stop going back and going I was I am I'm, and wash it off. If you need to get up today. I want you to stand to your feet. If you need to wash off today, I, I need you to stand to your feet. If you need to put that fragrance back on, there, there's somebody in the room today. You felt what happened in your past has disqualified you from ministry. Just like that day in June of 2019 when the Lord handed me a bag, with all the pieces of my heart, He's handing it back to you. Need a new fragrance. Come on, let him anoint you afresh and anew. Let him anoint you afresh and anew. Change the garments. Put that priestly garment back on. Put that worship garment back on. Put that royal garment back on. Step back into purpose and worship the Lord. Come on, right now. It's not how you start. how you finish the counts. These tears are no longer tears of shame. No longer tears of hurt or offense or brokenness or victimhood. These are the tears of mercy and gratitude and joy and rejoicing. we're the most blessed people in the world we should be the happiest people in the world, why? because we're the ones where our sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west Lord right now I feel mercy running into the room Lord right now I feel miracles running in the room Lord I thank you for breakthrough Lord I pray right now that you would release uncomfortable messages Messages like this that are uncomfortable for the preacher, but also uncomfortable for the listener. Because, Lord, you're getting all in our stuff. Because you're cleaning us up and you're making us holy and you're getting us right and you're repairing your bride. Lord, I call in right now the prodigal sons and daughters. I call in the shattered and the scattered, the lost sheep of the Metroplex the lost sheep of America I call in those with church wounds and brokenness that have fled to the caves that have chosen isolation over restoration and Lord I call them back out to do and fulfill and be all who you've called them to be but I declare that this is a year of turnaround but it's also a year of the comeback Lord you're resetting you're recalibrating I heard the word of the Lord that Marcy spoke, that others have spoken over the weekend. And Lord, it's not just our next word, it's our now word. Lord, I thank you for worship leaders being restored and returned. Pastors being restored and returned. Lord, prophets being restored and returned. Lord, I thank you for that beautiful scripture. I believe Hosea 3, come, let us return to the Lord. Lord, I thank you right now that there is a word going out through the great land of Texas whosoever will, let them come. Whosoever will, let them come. Whosoever will, let them come. I see this beautiful picture of the Statue of Liberty in the sanctuary. Bring to us your tired and your poor, your torn, your huddled masses. Lord, let this be a place where freedom rings. Let this be a place of liberation and freedom and deliverance where people can't stay the same because you're too good to let us stay the same. I feel this really strong for some people in the room. You're about to come out the other side. You're about to come out the other side. Kept seeing Joshua chapter 3. He consecrates the elders and they lead the people across. And the Bible says, when they clearly crossed, when they clearly crossed, I've got a word for you today. You're about to clearly cross over to the other side. You're about to clearly cross over from potential into promise, from never into now, from next into now. Lord, I thank you for the swiftly and the suddenlies of God that you're about to bring in this room. Lord, I thank you for your healing anointing, your healing hand flowing in this room. Lord, I thank you that you bring restoration, you bring redemption. Lord, let my crazy story be a prophecy that, Lord, there's glory on our story. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness that he that began a good work in us will complete it. And keep us to the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, right now, I release breakthrough and freedom in the room today. Let freedom ring. I feel like somebody watching or that will watch has been angered by what I've shared today. My friend, right now, God is is, is about to part the sea of your anger that anger that has been built around disappointment in religious systems you're angered because you didn't receive the same mercy that i received and right now mercy is coming running in this room Mercy's running right into your room right where you're watching he's coming with that bag of broken pieces and he wants to restore i said it to some leaders the other night i saw that scripture Where David inquires of the Lord, and he said, shall we pursue? Shall we overtake? And the Lord said, yes, pursue. Overtake and recover all. It's the word of the Lord for you, Convergence. It's the word of the Lord for the church in this hour. Lord, I thank you right now for what you're doing. Come on there, let a new fragrance rise from your life. Lord, I thank you right now Lord, as long as there's breath, there's hope, there's purpose. Ministries are being restored, coming forth. I saw the Lord bringing some pastors and preachers out of hibernation, out of isolation, and even some out of retirement. There was a prophet recently and came to one of our meetings in Pensacola and he'd been well known back in the day because of hurt he just kind of quit and disappeared and he showed up in a meeting and another prophetic guy in our church recognized him and honored him and asked him to come down and he came down he said come on there's a word in you give the word and he said no I don't don't do that anymore. And my friend put his hands on him and the fire of God hit the man and he all of a sudden began to cry. Oh my God, I feel it again. Oh my God, I feel it again. And at 84 years old, God took a dormant prophetic gift that was dormant for 20 years and reactivated to the end of his life. And there are some of you right now that you need to know if you've got breath, you've still got destiny. If you've got breath, you still got purpose. And I don't care, there's nothing wasted in the kingdom. There is what you call wasted, God calls perfume. And he will redeem what you thought were wasted years. Holy Spirit, right now, there's a fresh anointing falling on this region. Lord, I pray right now that this would be a church of refuge, a place of refuge, a city of refuge. Not for people to hide out, but for people to be healed and fully restored. Lord, I thank you that I could share these stories without shame. Because you took the shame and you replaced it with glory. Somebody needs to hear that today. There's glory on your story, there's healing in the room today. Depression is leaving right now. I feel like there's eight people in the room and you have been in a war with the spirit of depression. You have some good days, but it's almost like this weight has been on you. This cloud's been following you around. You don't think you can ever get out from underneath it. You haven't fully lost hope, but you feel like hope is being depleted and the Lord right now is restoring hope and he's healing your mind. And I command that spirit of depression and torment to leave you right now in Jesus' name. Night terrors are being healed, the people are being set free from it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If that's you, if you can, I would just move out of your seat, come right to the front. Can I receive it here? Absolutely. But if you choose to go free, That yoke would be thrown from your neck. Some of you right now, it's a season of choosing to go free. If you've been holding on to things, if you've been mourning the blessings that didn't come, or other people stole your blessing, or you weren't treated in the last season with honor, and you want to click the dust off, or you want to throw that yoke off, i just get out of your seat come to the front. Maybe you just need to get up. Maybe you need to dust yourself off. Maybe you just need to come back. and, If you just step up to the front, I'm just telling you it's a prophetic act. You're stepping back into the promise. You're stepping back into what he said. You're stepping back into your future. You're stepping back into the place of hope. You're stepping back. forget if I said it to Steve in the car on the way from the airport or if I said it in the meeting with staff and leaders on Friday night but I believe a word for the body of Christ right now is get get your hopes up 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 Lord I thank you right now for healing hope and revive faith My brother right there on the, on the front row, there's a fresh anointing. There's a fresh wind coming in the sail of your life. And the greater things are about to be added to the former things. The Lord's given you great longevity in the kingdom and great longevity in ministry. I saw people waving a hanky saying, preach that thing, preacher. I saw people responding that never responded before. I saw some people calling you chappy, like you were a chaplain. I saw you ministering to ministers. I saw you fathering orphan pastors. I saw you showing mercy where mercy was needed, but I also saw you giving a good swift kick in the pants where that was needed as well but in kindness. Brother, I'm just telling you right now, strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory. There's a new wind coming in the sails of your life, a new wind coming in the sails of your life. It's a word for him, but I'd also receive that for many of us around the room right now. I know I've taken a long time, uh, all of those things this morning, but it might be one of the most important messages of my life. Holy Spirit would you just come would you just come would you just rain down if you would just hold out your hands honey I saw the Lord saturating your hands with oil and honey and the Lord was saying welcome to the healing ministry the Lord wants you to go after the most impossible cases the most impossible things you're about to see it you're about to recover all my brother right now the word of the Lord in you is going to release the floodgates of the love of God one of the testimonies of your life in ministry will be people will say I've never felt loved before until I heard what you said I've never encountered love the love of God until I heard what you spoke Lord, would you let that love be lavished down? In this season, I feel like God's about to release something afresh and new on the church. Two things together being poured out. If you wanted, I'd receive it right now in this moment because it's what's going to bring healing to those of you that have come. It's going to bring restoration. But, but two things are coming all at once mercy and fire. Mercy and fire, mercy and fire, mercy and fire. God lights the fire, but we must maintain it. Mercy and fire, mercy and fire, let the mercy of miracles, the miracles of mercy be poured out in abundant streams and abundant rivers, God. Lord, I thank you right now for stirring the healing waters. I gave you about 27 stories from my own life that would disqualify me in the natural. But yet somehow I can stand in front of you today and say, Had I not walked through it, I wouldn't know the beauty of this moment. I'll never forget the Lord spoke to me not too long ago. He said, those folks aren't your enemies. They're your ushers. If you wouldn't have walked through that, if you wouldn't have experienced that, if that abuse didn't take place, if that lie wasn't spoken, if that incident wouldn't have happened, you would have not known my grace and my mercy. You wouldn't know how to minister to people who like have been likely abused, like, likewise abused like you were. Some of you right now, if you'll recognize... That everything you've been through is about to usher you deeper into his presence, deeper into healing, deeper into deliverance, deeper into freedom. It's how you rightfully discern this hour and season that we're living in. Lord, I thank you for the cutie pie on Pastor Marcy's lap. Lord, I thank you that she's not a firecracker. She's a stick of dynamite. And that there's explosive dynamis power on the inside of her. That, Lord, you've anointed her to work miracles. You've anointed her to, to be one who brings people into a place where they see the Lord as he really is. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, she's going to know how to be strong and she'll learn how to be sweet. But Lord, there's a strength on the inside of her. Lord, there's a strength on the inside of her that, that, that will cause the plans and the schemes of the enemy to be revealed and the purposes of God to come. But I thank you that, Lord, you've anointed her to be like a lioness and she's going to cause the voice of others to be steadied and to come forth. But I thank you that there'll be days where she speaks the word of the Lord, but she'll also sing it. And I thank you that all the days of her life she'll be able to say there's never been a dull moment. She's just a a ball of activity, but I felt like the Lord said, not just natural activity, she's she's gonna carry the supernatural presence of God wherever she goes. So Lord, I thank you that's gonna be in classrooms. That's gonna be in workplaces. That's gonna be in churches. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for her her sister next to her, Lord. I thank you for the meekness, the kindness, the gentleness, and the healing balm of Gilead that flows from her life. Lord, I thank you that she's gonna carry and speak and sometimes whisper healing words. The powers and principalities would be disarmed when she walks in a room, because they can't stand in the light that she carries. Lord, I thank you for the light of her love, the light of her goodness, the light. Mama, the Lord calls you the light of his life. And this is a season where the Lord's about to release over you double honor. Double honor, double blessing. That which has been held back is about to be released. Lord, I thank you you bring restoration I hear the sound of laughter in this room in the days that are ahead. said at the other night it's a Psalm 126 season we're going to be like those who dream where the Lord restores our laughter they'll say among the nations the Lord's been good to them we'll say yes the Lord's been good to us and we're glad those who sowed with tears will reap with joy and the reapers will overtake the sowers That's a good word right there. That's a now word right there for you and for this house. You're in this place today and you say, Dave, I had some of the same struggles you talked about. There's secret things in me I've never told one soul about. I don't think anybody would be able to handle it and you've carried the shame and the weight of that. I'm not the Lord, but I represent Him today and I'm telling you, you're a good, good Father, the one who loves you and gave Himself for you. He's coming to lift that thing from you and separate it from you as far as the east is from the west. And That which you feel like you've been the most shamed of, the Lord's about to release the more glory on. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that my story didn't end in 1996. It didn't end in 1997, and it didn't end in 1999 when I fell, and it didn't end, and all the ups and downs and in between. The Corey Asbury song that he wrote partly out of the story of my life says the story isn't over if the story isn't good. Because failure's never final when the father's in the room. I release Psalm 23 verse 6 over everybody in this house today as a blessing. Surely goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life you're about to dwell in the house of the lord forever i had this revelation recently about jesus i have spent a lot of time in the gospels because you just can't improve on the on the methods of jesus things i used to just read over and read past i'm now reading into and studying out like jesus said i'm the door to the sheep pen the crazy thing about that is the sheep pen doesn't have doors the shepherd actually laid in the opening of the cave or the sheep pen this is what Jesus really means when he said that he said anything that wants to get in has to go through me and if anything tries to get out it's got to go through me because nothing can separate you from the love of God come on right now I don't know who I'm talking to I feel feel the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God washing over us today. If you're up front, you come for many different things we call that, will you just lift your hands? Let him dress you up today. Let him pour the new oil out over you today. Let him wash over you today. Lord, thank you for the balm of Gilead. Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that never loses its power. Lord, thank you for the working of the Holy Spirit that transforms us, Lord I thank you that if any man be in Christ we're a new creation, we're being made new every day more and more into your likeness, Lord I pray right now for goodness and mercy to crash in, Lord over depression and over hurt and over failure and over those things that cause us to stay down, Lord there, there is eagles rising up out of the fires in this house. Time to soar and not sit it's time to worship and not wallow it's time to go forth now is the appointed time in the acceptable year says the lord for the moment that you've been waiting for isn't coming it's here there comes a day where i take you from the waiting room into the delivery room and i birth that which i promised Some have been holding on to words for 30 years and 20 years and 20 months and 20 days and 20 minutes. But I watch over my word day and night and I am careful to perform it because they even honor my word above my name. When have I been anything but good? When have I been anything but true? When have I been anything but faithful? Even when you felt like you were bad, I was still good. Even when you felt like you were worthless, I was still worthy. Even when you felt like you were faithless, I was still faithful. And I invited you from back then into the now to abide in me. For if I abide in you, you abide in me, I abide in you. I just declare right now for the rest of the summer, it's a summer of goodness and mercy. Marcy, I saw the Lord wink at you. He said, it's the summer of goodness and mercy, but it's also the summer of goodness and mercy. I almost didn't want to say it because it sounded cheesy, but the Lord said it, so I'm saying it. Lord, I thank you for how good you are, how affectionate you are, how kind you are. Lord, even at times, how funny you are. Lord, I thank you the summer of the supernatural, for mercy and miracles being poured out, for goodness and mercy following. You say, Dave, I can't relate to this word. I'm thankful that people are forward, but I don't know what to do with this word. Yeah, you do. If you're not going through something, you might at some point, or your kids might, or grandkids might. Would you posture your heart for redemption and restoration and not judgment? We should rightfully discern. We shouldn't mix up judgment and justice. I heard the word last night about the Lord tipping the scales. and The justice of God is coming. What's justice for sickness? It's healing. It's justice for sin. sacrifice of the blood of Jesus that blots the sin out and separates far as the east from the west. It's called forgiveness. Some of you right now, I feel the presence of the Lord just hovering. The Lord spoke to me in 2020. He said, I'm looking for a people who'll linger a little longer. There'll come days where services won't end. You'll just carry it with you. The Lord will keep lavishing on those who linger. Lord, I thank you right now for the lingering presence Lord, at Trinity Park from all of the events of the last year. Lord, even when the events end that Lord, you still hover over the songs sung and words spoken. I saw the Lord riding, 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 riding the Lord what he was writing and he said I'm just recording the miracles I'm doing in their midst I'm taking note of every time they whisper the word I spoke back to me Lord I thank you for those who believe Lord I pray right now that Lord your mercy and your grace would cascade in this room Thank you for renewing our minds. Some of you, right now, here's a real cool word. I heard the, I don't even know what it means. The Lord is about to bring people to a place of maturity in your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, that which always tries to compete with your spirit. The Lord is about to give you great victory and bring you to maturity in your soul. Mature and healed emotions, mature and healed will. Lord, today, could we be a house that marries our will to yours, our heart to yours? Lord, I bless your people. I bless your house. Lord, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Jesus' name. If you've come down for any of these things, I'd invite you to stay here. Pastor Steve's going to come give us instruction because I've gone over time, maybe. But there'll be prayer team leaders, staff to to pray for you this morning, now, this afternoon. There's no football on. The Rangers are already going to win. It's almost the all star break doing you a favor, because by the time we get out of here, the Baptists and the Presbyterians will already be out of the restaurants. (laughs) Lord, I thank you for the way you love us. Lord, thanks for stretching me to Thanks for stretching me today. Thanks for doing more healing today. Thanks for turning things around again today. Thanks for redeeming the time. It's going to sound really kind of funny and silly, but I'm serious about it. If you want to know what a miracle looks like, Just look at me a minute. I shouldn't be here. I should be dead dozens of times over. But I couldn't outrun. I couldn't outdrink. I couldn't outdrug. I couldn't out whatever you want to put in there. My mama and my grandma's prayers. Maybe you need to know what a miracle is going to look like for your kid or for your grandkid. But my life testimony of my life be a prophecy to your life, to your son, to your daughter. Because I know he's good enough. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. If he did it for my mama, he'll do it for yours. He'll do it for you. And Lord, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like you're about to fill the walls of this room with testimonies and miracles. You ever hear that phrase, if walls could talk? I don't think you really want to know what's been said in a lot of places. But I saw these walls, like, vibrating, like almost if you look at a cartoon when things begin to bulge. I saw the Lord filling every inch, every centimeter, every molecule of this place with the testimony of His goodness and of His love. I know that Christmas is always... December 25th on our calendar. But as I turned it over, I heard the Lord say, Merry Christmas. Christmas is coming early this year. I don't know who needs to hear it, but the Lord, the Lord is bringing us into a major season of celebration and victory. Sometimes you got to praise Him before you see the victory, sometimes you got to celebrate when the miracle hadn't manifested yet i'm telling you right now that i believe sure as i'm standing here there is an accelerated time there's a now moment so thanks for listening jesus thanks for being here today pastor c going to come give us some instruction prayer team ministry team get ready because i'm not doing it all myself nobody's laughing but it's true